Hello there. So glad to be back in Bible study. We had taken some time away as far as our thankful Thursday services are concerned. And we are certainly delighted and elated that we're able to come back and be with you all. As we prepare to go into our Bible study at this particular time, I'm going to ask that if we could let us bow our heads for a word of prayer as we sense and seek what it is that God will have for us to do. And as we prepare for this time of study, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, our Father, we come and we thank you for this wonderful, marvelous opportunity to come and study your word. And Lord, as we prepare to come and study your word right now, we pray that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that you will show up, show yourself mighty and strong. Take me, this fragile, faulty piece of clay, use me for your glory so that your word will go forth and that your people will be emboldened and enlightened. Now, Lord, if you would show yourself mighty and strong in this moment, have your way with me, in me, through me, and as you often do in spite of me. It is in the name of Jesus the Christ I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. I need you to do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind, turning with me to Philippians chapter 3. And as we look at Philippians chapter 3, um, I want to read verses 12 through 14. And as we read verses 12 through 14, I'm going to ask that you would highlight uh, some scriptures or highlight this passage as we prepare to do our time of study. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Amen. And as you turn to that, um, I'm going to ask, let me see, I need Deborah to do me a favor, or either Marco, um, if you would, I left something on my desk that I need as far as this time um, of study. All right, let's prepare for this time of conversation. I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. I'm going to have you to underline or you to highlight some things. And we're going to um, uh, hopefully and prayerfully be able to uh, appreciate what is being shared. As we move forward, let's look at uh, our text for today. Not that I have already attained. I want you to highlight the word already attained. I am already perfected. I want you to highlight the word already perfected. Okay. All right. But I press on. I want you to circle the word press. that I may lay hold of that which is Christ Jesus has also laid hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I want you to highlight the phrase laid hold that I may lay hold and then which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me, I want you to draw a line to those two highlighted phrases. Now, a whole lot of us love to quote verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I want you to highlight the phrase apprehended. But one thing I do, I want you to <clears throat> underline, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward 
the goal, I want you to circle the word press. And as you circle the word press, I want you to do me this favor. I want you to draw a line from the word press in verse 14 to the word press in verse 12. All right, got it? All right, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Let's prepare to do some work and let's have some fun in doing this work as we sense and seek what the Lord wants to reveal to us at this particular moment. All right. Let me ask this question as I prepare to... Um, have us to give consideration to where we are right now. How many of you all, if you could, go back into your past and change something? I know I would. <laughs> I know I would. Oftentimes, the days of our yesteryear, we love to call them the good old days. The good old days. That I think that for a lot of us, when we look back at our past, we tend to think, that it was really more glorious than it actually was. I want to unpack what God is trying to do with us, to us, and through us in this moment to prepare us for a rich and glorious future. So let's get started, and let's look at verse 12. Not that I have attained or am already perfect, Paul admits his status in the first part of this verse. He knew he was not perfect. He knew he had not subdued all of his negative passions. And he also knew he was not perfect in his desire for ministry. So he wanted to make this wonderful clarion point that I pray that many of us who are reading this passage will be able to appreciate and understand. He didn't want the people at Philippi to get the wrong idea for his, uh, from this letter that he was better than them. Okay? Uh, he did not want them to get the idea that he had already arrived. He did not want them to get the idea that he had already done everything the Lord wanted him to do. So that's why he said, not that I have attained or I am already perfect. In other words, the word perfect in the original Greek does not mean without a mistake. The word perfect in the original Greek basically means that I have reached the highest level of maturity. All right? So, Let's, let's look at what Paul had already done because as Paul writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he's accomplished a lot of things for the gospel's sake. And yet, he says, I still have not gotten to where I'm supposed to be. In other words, there is still room for growth. There is still spiritual goals that I need to uh, reach and I need to perfect. There are still some things that I need to do for the sake of the kingdom. Okay, so, so Paul knew that his goal of becoming perfect was a lifelong pursuit. Now, I want, I want you to get this because I want you to understand that none of us, 
ever in this lifetime reach perfection. It is a growing process. In other words, you and I should be making incremental positive growth every day of our life. All right? Now, our perfection is going to be solidified once we get into the very presence of the perfect one who is Jesus Christ. All right? So, so that's why I want you to understand that it is a lifelong process. Discipleship is a lifelong process. Becoming what God would have for us to be is a lifelong process. All right? So when I look at people who I admire as far as their walk with God, when I look at people as far as where they are as far as the Lord is concerned, because of this passage, I am not naive. I know they are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They are striving for perfection in faith. All right? But, and, and as we strive for perfection in faith, there ought to be some evidence that you and I are what? Growing. We should never be satisfied with where we are. We are growing. Notice something else Paul says in verse 12. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfect. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What is, what is Paul talking about here? Paul says, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold for me. Although he is not yet perfect, he is choosing to follow the one who is perfect because Jesus' perfection makes us perfect. In other words, Paul was following the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And whenever you read Paul's letters, a lot of Paul's letters really dealt with what the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ is. He, he left unrighteousness and he is now pursuing righteousness. Now, I want to let you know, you cannot pursue righteousness on the wrong path. Let me say that again. You cannot pursue righteousness doing what you want to do. You pursue righteousness by following the one who is righteous. Now, we know Paul had been on the wrong track or wrong side of the tracks before. That prior to him meeting Jesus Christ on that dusty road to Damascus, Paul was a church persecutor. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. Uh, he had become so, so fiery hot about trying to crush the Christian movement, uh, the followers of Jesus Christ, until he was on his way to Damascus to have Christians arrested jail and eventually killed all right but when he encountered jesus christ on that dusty road he made a shift from following his way to not following the right path or the righteousness of god and he brings that same passion the same passion he had to try to stamp out the movement of christ is the same passion he brings in now growing the movement of christ now, I want you to know that you and I really are expected to do the same thing. Because guess what? The path is already cleared. The path is already made. It's just incumbent upon us to follow it. And it's coming upon us to walk in it. All right? Now, Let's go back, and I want to look at one more thing, just in verse 12. I'm still on verse 12. He said, that I may lay hold of which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Okay? Let me say that again. That I may lay hold of that 
which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. When we see the word lay hold, or in the King James Version, you may see apprehended. Paul is saying, I want to get into the very presence of Jesus so I can grab him. He knew that Christ was with him and he was in him, yet there was a desire for Paul to see Jesus face to face. And he wasn't going to be satisfied until he was able to see the perfect righteous one who is Jesus. When you and I give our life, our souls, our beings to following Christ, there are some changes we are to pursue. And it ought to change what we pursue. When you and I are in Christ Jesus, instead of us going after stuff and money and clothes and uh, um, um, uh, the, 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 the things of the world, we should be pursuing Jesus Christ. Now, let me get this. Let me clarify this. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to school. I'm not saying you shouldn't work a job. I'm not saying you shouldn't get money. I'm not saying uh, you should not uh, accumulate uh, the fine things in life. But your ultimate goal and objective should not be things or cultural accoutrements, but it should be the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Our earthly pursuit should be to become more like Jesus. And guess what? The more we understand, live, and appreciate the ways of Jesus, the more of Christ others are able to see in you and me. So after being transformed into his image, the day will come when you and I will be able to see Jesus face to face. There's a song that uh, we sing, Oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares are past, home at last, ever to rejoice. That's the day. That you, are look, you and I are looking for that we can lay hold of Jesus Christ. And guess what? And not only bow down at his feet, but hold on to him and hug him and thank him for all that he has done for us when he shedded his blood on a hill called Calvary. Let's go to verse 13. Because Paul wants us to understand that in this first rendering, what I have given you is... I know there's some things I still have to do. But in verse 13, there's some things he wants us to understand that he regretted doing. He regretted doing. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or lay hold of. But one thing I do. And, and, and notice that the one thing is a compound sentence. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's one thing. I got to forget as well as reach forward. That's one thing, not two. One thing. I got to forget and I got to reach forward. Let me say that again. I got to forget and I got to reach forward to those things which are ahead. Here again, Paul is... Reiterating his status, I have not arrived. I still got a long way to go. I, and I, I love Paul. You know, one of the things that disturbs me is that there are people in the culture um, who want to try to get rid of the writings of Paul. I love Paul because Paul is really, after David, he's one of the most down-to-earth, earthiest. He, is, he really is very authentic and transparent. He shares his struggles. I have not gotten to where I should be in God in Christ Jesus. I got stuff I got to do. Now, let's be honest. Paul, by the time he writes this letter, has already done a lot. 
for the sake of the gospel. He has established churches all over Asia Minor. He's been healing the sick. He's been planting and growing churches. People are being saved through his preaching. He's been healing and working miracles. He's been liberating people from their bondage. And yet he is saying, I still got stuff to do. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I want to suggest, no matter how much you and I have done for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, don't think it's enough. We may have been responsible for leading people to Christ, and yet there's still a lot of unsaved people. Here at St. Paul, we've been averaging feeding close to 200 families a week. That, that ain't even a drop in the bucket of how many hungry, homeless people there are out there. We may have encouraged through prayer and conversation people who are down and depressed. But guess what? There's still a whole lot of folks that are what? Down and depressed. Many people still need to receive words of encouragement. And, and, and see, here's the problem with, with, with ministry that I want to convey to you. You can't treat ministry like a job. Because with our jobs, after a certain point, we want to retire. <laughs> and, and, and I want to suggest that in Christ, there is no retirement program as long as you and I are down here. Our, our focus may change, but we don't retire as far as ministry is concerned. Let, let, me, let me just share. Um, I can retire. One day is my hope to retire from pastoring. But I would never retire from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is sharing the gospel. I may retire from pastoring one day, but I will not retire from preaching the gospel. I will not retire from sharing the gospel. I will not retire from um, doing ministry. I may retire from the pastorate one day, but I will not retire from being a follower of Jesus Christ. One thing that I like about Paul is that Paul knew he had to forget about past accomplishments. That as impressive as his resume is, Paul knew that's the past. And I can't rest my laurels on the past. It, 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 it's, like a, it's like a quarterback on, 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 on a football team. Quarterback on a football team uh, may be playing good and then eventually he throws an interception. Well, if you're going to be a good quarterback, you can't stay stuck on that interception. Okay? You, 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 you got to have a, 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 your memory has to be quick enough to forget that you just threw an interception so you don't remain stuck on the interception. Just like your memory has to be quick enough for you not to rest on what you did in last week's game you got to play this week's game. All right? So Paul is saying, I got to forget all the stuff that I have done and keep trying to do more for the cause of Christ. Because what? It is like that theologian Janet Jackson said, what have you done for me lately? Okay? We still got more to do for the cause of Christ. So Paul's concentration, and this is what I want to get you to, Paul's concentration is not on what's the past, but rather what the present is and what the future will be. Now, this, this is what gets me about church folk because we in church, we love to talk about all the stuff we've done in the past. And don't get it twisted. It was, it was, it was good stuff, but what worked in the past ain't going to work right now and ain't going to work for the future. So you got to be willing to make the shift so you can continue to do the work that God has called us to do. I can't stay stuck on how we did it in the past. 
You can't stay stuck on the wonderful accomplishments of your past because guess what? If you are in God through Jesus Christ, God has more glorious and greater things for you to do than what you did in the past. Don't think, I'm getting ready to bless somebody. Don't think your successes in the past will make you successful in your present or your future. It doesn't work like that. In order to be successful and faithful in the present and the future, you got to what? You got to grind. You got to hustle. You got to work. You got to keep trying to do more for the cause of Christ. And, and this is what I want you to understand, because I've been preaching a series of sermons from the book of Romans, particularly chapter 9, and now I'm in chapter 10. You don't work to get saved. You work because you are saved. So this ain't about work righteousness. This is about you being so appreciative, so honored that God would save you from your sins through Jesus Christ that you want to do anything you can to help promote the cause. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm trying to help somebody with this. You want to do all that you can to promote the cause. All right. Forget about the church we had yesterday. Focus on establishing more churches to the house of the family of God. Forget about your involvement with outreach and visitation ministry when you were younger and plan on reaching out and visiting others today and in the future. Forget about the sermon you preached last Sunday. Sunday morning is coming now. What you going to preach? Forget about the lesson you taught last week. Sunday morning is coming. What are you going to teach now? Forget about who you led to Christ last week. Who are you leading to Christ this week? You can't rest on past achievements. Because guess what? Paul helps us understand in verse 13, there are some liabilities when you get stuck in your past. There are some liabilities that will keep you from moving in the right direction. By remembering those things that were behind, Paul's ministry could have become stagnant. It could have been, become stifled. Could have got stuck. Paul could have just sat up at his house in Tarsus and said, Ooh, look at what I've done for the sake of the gospel. Ooh, I've established churches all over Asia Minor. I'm done. No. Paul did not get stuck. Paul did not get stagnant. Paul could have been in jail and he could have stayed, he could have got stuck in jail and had a pity party. But yet, as Paul is in prison writing this letter, Paul is trying to do what? Disciple people, even from a jail cell. So Paul, instead of focusing on his past, Paul said, I got to forget that stuff behind. Watch this. Not only do I have to forget what I achieved, but I also got to forget the wrongs I've done. And I got to embrace, I got to embrace the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. I want to suggest this is where a lot of us are right now. Um, forgetting those things which are behind. There are some of us who are so stuck in our past because of failures and mistakes and sins you can't even move. And it's holding you back. Let's admit, before you came to Christ you probably did some crazy stuff. Before you hooked up with Jesus, you probably did some things that made God shake God's head. But, but you, can't, you can't stay stuck on your past sins and your past mistakes and your past failures. Because guess what? God has forgiven you in Christ. Your sins and iniquities are remembered no more. And since God has forgotten those past acts of sin, you need to as well. Don't let that stuff keep you stuck. So some of us got some past mistakes. 
some of us got some folks in the past we don't like. <laughs> Somebody did you wrong. Somebody hurt your feelings. Family members didn't speak to you. Or family members kicked you to the curb. You know, somebody did something you didn't like. Can't stay stuck on that either. Because guess what? Paul lets us know. He wasn't accepted by everybody he came to. It was a whole lot of folks didn't like Paul. All you got to do is just read his letters. He was run out of town. He had rocks thrown at him. He was beaten 39 times with a lash. He had folks to cuss him out, call him everything but a child of God, and he could have gotten stuck with the names that folks called him. He could have gotten stuck with the horrible things that were done to him. He could have gotten stuck with the evil that was uh, uh, heaped upon him. But Paul did not allow for what the things that people did to him in his past keep him stuck there. I hope I'm making sense. Last thing that you need to do is um, you can't let your, your, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this. You can't let the things that scared you or made you fearful from your past keep you from doing what God would have for you to do. Some of you may be fearful of evangelism. Some of you know that God may have given you the gift to teach and you're afraid because you don't like to speak in public or even be in public. Some of you are fearful of generosity. You're fearful of becoming a tither. And giving offerings. But you, you can't let the fears from your past keep you stuck. You got to remember, I think Paul told his son Timothy in ministry, for God has not given you the spirit of what? Fear. But a power and love and a sound mind. You got to get beyond your fears. You got to get beyond your fears. Now, let me drill down on this word forgetting because this is what's going to bless you. When Paul talks about forgetting, he, he's really talking about um, not forgetting everything because you can't forget everything. I mean, let's be real. And let's be honest. There are some things you shouldn't forget because if you, if you don't learn the lesson, you're, 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 you're doomed to repeat it. So, you know, you got to know how to interpret scripture. You got to know how to read this properly. All right? Because you don't want to forget everything about your past. Don't get stuck about your sins in the past, but you want to remember that in the past, the Lord saved you from your sins. Remember some valuable lessons from the past. Here's, here's the thing. If you forget everything in your past, then you will be like a child going to the stove, keep putting your hand on a hot stove. Eventually, they're going to have to cut your hand off because you keep doing the same thing over and over. All right. There's some things you got to remember from the past because they're going to help you in your present and your future. For example, you can't even begin to give a testimony unless you have a past. You don't testify about your present and your future. You testify about what has happened. Your, your testimony is evident that God brought you through some tests, some trials, some tribulations. Okay? All right. Israel was told to remember how the Lord delivered them from bondage. When you look at the writings of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, that is basically God saying, don't you all forget what I have done for you. The lessons of our past empowers us in our present, and it helps us in our future. Okay? I'm getting ready to wrap up. Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 helps us to say, he says, I press 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. This, this, this image, I press toward the goal of the prize for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, it's really a, a sports metaphor or a sports illustration. It, 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 is, it is something similar to the Olympic runner pressing toward the prize for the laurel reef. And, and, and so he, he's using athletic terms, and, and he's speaking about keep on going even when you don't feel like going. I don't know to whom I'm talking to, um, but when I used to play basketball, um, particularly in high school, and then, of course, um, when I played intramural as well as Jess for weekly recreation, there were times when if I didn't warm up, if I, you know, hadn't played in a while, I would catch some cramps, and I would get tired. I mean, I could go up and down the court two or three times, and I'm like, <gasps> I'm sucking wind, okay? Why? Because my body hadn't been conditioned to press through. So I'm catching leg cramps and charley horses, and I'm like, oh, God. However, what you got to do is you got to keep going because when fatigue comes, you got to keep pressing forward, and you got to press through the fatigue because when you press through the fatigue, there is this thing that is called the second wind. The second wind. All right? You get... A second win. All right. Um, so Paul says, I press toward the goal of the prize. One of the things that I want you all to understand is that it's hard to press toward the goal for the prize when sin is weighing you down. One of the things that create a strain for us is the sins in our lives. It'll keep you down. It'll keep you stuck. It'll prevent you from getting the prize that God has for you. All right? So I press toward the goal of the prize. So one of the things that you got to understand about running or about playing sports is that if you haven't done it in a long time, and even if you do it with a level of consistency, there's this thing you always got to do. It is called warm up. Stretch. Let me say that again. Warm up. Stretch. All right? As, as you prepare to run this race, you got to warm up. What is warm up? I'm, getting, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what a warm up is. That's your devotional time. Warm up. That's your time you spend with God reading his scripture and in prayer every day. Warm up. Study to show yourself approved. The word of God is warm up. Prayer is warm up. Dwelling in the silence of God is warm up. And the reason why some of us catch cramps and charley horses and we're tired is because guess what? We didn't warm up. We didn't warm up. But when you warm up and you're able to run this race, there's a prize. There's a prize. And I want you to understand that when you run the race, you got to stay focused on the race. You got to stay focused, watch this, on your race. Not anybody else's race, your race. Let me say that again. Not anybody else's race, your race. Let me say it one more time for the Holy Ghost. Not anybody else's race, your race. My, my senior year in high school, I took on the crazy challenge of doing something I've never done before. My senior year in high school, uh, I was such a nerd. I, 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 um, I was in band. I was ranked third in my class. Um, and I tried to do everything that I could during my senior year. I mean, I was who's who, all that stuff, you know, most likely to succeed and all that. 
And one thing that I tried to do my senior year was I decided to go run track. Now, I, I've never ran track before. Never ran track before. And when I went to um, uh, go out for the first day of tryouts, now, I used to drink, I don't know how many of you all remember the show called Family Ties with um, Michael J. Fox playing the role of Alex Keaton. I was the black Alex Keaton of Monticello High School. Now, I wasn't a Republican, but I was the black Alex Keaton of Monticello. I mean, I used to go to shirt, go to school, shirt and tie. I used to dress up real preppy, kind of like what I do right now. Uh, this is really out of the norm for me, what I got on today. However, I was a black Alex Keaton. Used to walk around with a briefcase. That's, that's how I used to go to school. So when I went out for track, and I came out in track with an Oxford shirt on, some khakis, and penny loafers. They fell out laughing. They just, they cracked up. And, and the coach who knew my father said, um, he called me by my father's name. He said, Funches, you, you going to run? I said, yeah. He said, all right, we're going to do uh, the 100. You going to run against um, Anthony Martin. At that time, Anthony was the starting tailback on the football team. He was short, stocky, strong. I'm out there in my penny loafers. And when they shot the gun in the air, and we were running that 100-yard dash, I beat him. Oh, they fell out laughing. They were cracking up. But I beat him because I didn't look back focusing on where he was. I kept my head, my, my sight ahead. And I beat him. And that's how I made the track team. Uh, so, so you can't compare your race to somebody else. You have to what? Run your race. You have to run your race. And as we run our race, we got to keep our eyes on Christ Jesus. Because guess what? When you focus on what your mark is, when you focus on Jesus, God has a way of revealing the tricks of the enemy in advance. I'm getting ready to help somebody. Um, many of us, as we drive, um, you need to keep your eyes on the road because you need to see what's coming up ahead. You need to see who might dart out in front of you. And this is why you don't need to text and drive because when you text and drive, you take your eyes off the road for your phone, and when that happens, you never know. And let's be honest, some of us have testified that we miss running into somebody by that much. You never know what's going to dart out in front of you. That's why you got to be, what, focus. Keep your eyes on the road. So for us, we got to keep our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Keep our eyes on the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Why? Because what will happen is when we keep our eyes on Jesus, Jesus has a way of showing us the ambushes of the devil and getting us to slow down so we won't have wrecks in our lives. Okay? Let me wrap up. I press toward the goal of the high prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. One day our race will be over. And Jesus is going to be at the award ceremony and crown those in the race. Here's what I want you to understand. The crown isn't given to the fastest one. The crown isn't given to the prettiest one. The crown isn't given to the most skillful one. The crown is given to those who will finish the race. That's why Paul said, I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Therefore, is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. He didn't say, I won the race. Because <laughs> guess what? This is what I want to bless you with. Ain't no winning. It's all about finishing. I think I just blessed somebody. See, see, when you run this race for Christ, it ain't about winning. It's about finishing. 
It's about finishing. And it's about finishing strong. It's about finishing strong. Because guess what? Ooh, ooh, thank you, God, for this revelation. Thank you, God, for this revelation. Here's the blessing that I want to drop on you. The race is not about winning because when you accepted Jesus Christ, you, you won. This race is about finishing and finishing strong because there's a prize for those who finish. And when you finish strong, there's a reward for those who finish strong. Some believers are going to have some extra stars in their crown. Why? Because they finish strong. Some believers are going to, during the millennium period, rule with Jesus because they finish strong. You want to finish strong. Because this treasure that God has for us is better than anything that you and I can accomplish and that we can get here on earth. So keep pressing. Keep moving forward. Because God has a reward for all of us. Amen. Next week, we're going to pick up on verses 15 through the end of this chapter. Uh, because we're going to take a shift from talking about finishing strong to talking about what does maturity look like in God through Jesus Christ. As we prepare to close out, I want to encourage you, as we prepare to give, um, that if you want to take this moment and if you're giving through the app called Givelify, um, uh, if you're giving, we are in the process of trying to raise funds for our Toys for Tots drive. This is an opportunity that um, St. Paul engages in as far as doing outreach to our community. I believe that in accordance with Reverend Bernie, we, we're trying to buy 30 more bikes. That's about $100 a piece for bikes. I've contributed $100 already, so now we need to get 29 if you want to give at this moment, I want you to give for our Toys for Tots. We want to be a blessing to, I believe it's uh, 200 families that we're trying to bless for Christmas. And whatever you give will go towards either trying to buy bicycles or toys for our children that may not have a Christmas this year because their parents aren't working. So I want to encourage you to do that. I gave mine about an hour ago for today, and I'll give another $100 next week. I want to encourage you to do something for Toys for Tots as you hear this appeal. So as we get ready to close out, um, Let's thank God for all that God has done and for all that God is doing and for all that God will do. Um, I want to just share with you that for uh, many of you, you may know that Sister Marilyn White had surgery today and got a report from her son that the surgery went well. We praise God for that. Um, I believe that, oh, before I close out, Deborah is looking at me like, Aren't you going to answer some questions? I mean, y'all to see her, her eyes are blazing red as she tries to disintegrate me right now because um, I'm going so off script. So before I do this close of prayer, let me take some questions real quick, and then we'll, cl we'll close out with prayer. Pastor, we have one question from Ms. Karen on YouTube, 
And she wants to know, why do we reference scholarly artists as theologians? Who? Scholarly. Scholarly artists as theologians. What kind of artists? Scholar, I mean, sorry, secular. I said scholarly. Secular. Yeah. Secular. Oh. Secular. Uh, because they tickle our ears and they say what we want to hear. Um, Paul says that people will not endure sound doctrine uh, and his prophecy is coming true. So we figure that since they got a lot of influence that they must be right about something. So that's what that's all about. All right. Her red stingray has now disintegrated, thank God. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you that the prize that we are pressing after is to really be like Jesus and to lay our hands on him so that we can embrace him and thank him. And God, we pray right now that this lesson will take hold in our lives and our spirits. Help us to do all that you have called and commissioned us to do. Thank you, God, for the wonderful opportunity to uh, just sit at your feet as far as teaching is concerned. Because, God, even as I teach, I'm being taught by the ultimate teacher, and that's your Holy Spirit. Empower us to be a blessing to others and empower us to realize that we have yet to attain. So let's forget those things that hold us back. Let's remember those things that empower us. And let's stretch forth toward the prize. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you all. Uh, heaven smile upon you. My prayer is that you all will join us next week as we continue this study on Philippians, starting at chapter 3, verse 15 through verse 21. I look forward, if the Lord gives us uh, power and grace, to sharing with you all that section. God bless.